0: hey everyone this is (laughs) delwyn keysbury welcome to a brand new conversation with me and today with me i have a guest Uh, her name is melanie lim she is based in the us Uh, where exactly mel Los, uh,
1: los angeles california
0: how this came about was that i've been doing a bunch of weekly ig conversations for roughly about 14 weeks now so i I kind of scan through and think through my my networks and my circles of people with Mm -hmm. interesting stories and also about Mm -hmm. topics which are relevant and would resonate with um, my circles and also the other person's circles. So, so far there's Mm -hmm. been things like entrepreneurship, uh, creativity, music, sports, Mm -hmm. uh, mindfulness. And I thought about um, comfort zones because this is one I've not yet Mm. um, tackled or, or discussed. And I thought, who do I mm-hmm. know who is in that space of either living outside or living, or having, lived, uh, having had experience of living outside of the comfort zone or even currently in the thick of it? And I thought about you. We've been in very similar circles uh, back in the day when I was uh, heavily into CrossFit. And I believe Mel, you were once upon a time as well. In the behind the scenes, I was asking you, what do you do, right? And then so you replied mm-hmm. to me that, Uh, Dear Delwyn, I'm currently based in Santa Monica. I am a visual storyteller, primarily in the fields of photography and videography. Right. So in your own words, (laughs) maybe spell that out to us. What do you do as a visual storyteller?
1: I I run into a lot of trouble when I describe myself as a visual storyteller (laughs) um, because no one knows what it is. And I'm not sure I know what it is. (laughs) But I, I do know that I like those two words. So I combined them. So when I say storyteller, I, I what I really mean is just that I am, whenever I'm producing something, I'm looking for a very specific art. Yeah. There has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. Sure. And and so that forms a story. It doesn't have to be a good one. It just has to tell sure. a story. Yeah. Um, it has to have a journey yeah. that you can take people through with you. When I was a kid, I, I drew, I, always, I was always drawing something. Sure. And then eventually I picked up a camera. So I started taking photos and then I bought a camera that I didn't know how to use. So then we're I figured teens? I might as well take we're videos we're with it. Were
0: pre-teens or?
1: Um, the video component.
0: Yeah. Like when you first got that camera or the, the, the video camera.
1: Um, so when I first got this camera that I didn't know how to operate, I this was actually only two years ago.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. So, so okay, so we're going, uh, we're not going, we're yeah. not going that, uh, that far back then. Okay, gotcha.
1: No, no, <laughs> no. Well, leading up to that, I was playing with cameras that were super easy to use. Okay. They were all fairly straightforward. They had like those shooting modes, like yeah. sports modes and yeah. portrait modes, night mode, all yeah. that. And then I, a friend of mine was selling a Fuji camera that um, was completely manual. So there were no like modes yeah. to pick from. So you had to really understand what aperture was, yeah. um, exposure, what that does, and like how the different lenses mattered. And so the first month or so, I tried to take photos in the CrossFit gym I was working at, sure. and every single shot turned out blurry. And I, that had By, never uh, happened to me. On purpose before.
0: or unintentionally? <laughs>
1: Completely unintentional. I had no idea what Uh, I was doing. You're
0: going for the um, action and motion kind (laughs) of shot.
1: (laughs) I mean, I wish I could say that was the case, (laughs) but to be honest, I think I was just so out of my depth with that. And I just immediately, like, my heart sank.
2: Yeah.
1: I thought, I spent two grand on this and I don't know how to use it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I can't return it because it's a friend's camera that I bought. Like, it's not like I can go back to the store. Yeah. And so then I realized one day that I could take videos on the thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, if everything's going to turn out blurry, I might as well take videos. (laughs) I like that. And so, (laughs) I mean, creative problem solving is sort of the name of the game for me. And so I eventually ended up getting into the world of video editing and that opened up a whole different world of involving sound or the lack of sound or movements, but in stop motion. Yeah. You know, like all these different ways of telling a story visually yeah. without, you know, without the aid of, uh, or without the restriction of just static images. So, how so would you, that's where I
0: am. How would you um, explain the difference between a visual storyteller and a videographer then?
1: <laughs> um, that's a great question. That would <laughs> require me to know what a videographer does. <laughs> And um, I don't want to misrepresent whoever's a videographer who might be watching or sure. listening. So yeah. I would just say yeah. that when I say that I'm a storyteller, it means I'm not tied to a medium.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: So I'm not I'm not out to make a video. I'm just out to tell a story. And sometimes that's best done through a, a letter. Mm. And sometimes that's best done through a, a video. Yeah. And sometimes it's best done through a meme. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: sure. And all of those things are just, to me, different vehicles that do the same thing okay. to different effects. Okay. And I'm, I'm not romantic about that. I just want to do the story justice.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about your backstory, Mel, because, again, I barely know you uh, full <laughs> stop. I think you're, yeah. you, you grew up in Singapore, but yeah, tell me a bit more about your backstory, like where are you from, where did you grow Ooh. up, what did you study, um, all that.
1: Um, Okay, so I grew up in Malaysia. I have a Malaysian passport. Ah. Um, Moved to Singapore when I was 14. Okay. And then I basically was studying there until my student exchange. Okay. And I came to the U.S. um, for about six months, did an exchange here,
2: Mm.
1: tried to get a job, didn't succeed in that. I really wanted to work for Nike. They didn't want me. (laughs) So I came, went back to Asia and... um, Finish up school at NUS, National University of Singapore. Yeah. Finish up my my college degree. Um, and what did you say? And I studied business. 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 business.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, street um, like accounting, finance, marketing, just.
1: Oh, I remember absolutely nothing from school. <laughs> <Love that. laughs> uh, dear. Um, but I did do one semester in sports marketing, which I really love. Okay. That's probably the only one that I, I can really.
2: Okay.
1: You know, recall back to. Yeah. Um. So after graduating, I joined an advertising firm, mm. and I spent about six months selling cars, and I was doing really well. Wow! And the, <laughs> and I, I am not saying this to like toot my own horn, but like I, I was one of the earlier, um, one of the youngest um, employees to get promoted that quickly.
2: Yeah.
1: And yet, for some reason, <sighs> I, within six months, I my soul was dying, wow. and I just knew i needed to get out mm. and that's what brought me to brunei mm. Mm.
0: um so so we're talking roughly 2015 no 13 13 okay 13 yeah and because i think crossfit is one of the common uh, threads here were you already in crossfit or this was pre-crossfit yeah. or post-crossfit
1: yeah so the way i stumbled into crossfit is also a funny story <laughs> because it kind of ties into the whole visual storytelling thing yeah. Um I was I was very uh growing up I was discouraged from pursuing creative work because mm. as an Asian like child, you're either a lawyer, a doctor, or you're nobody. An accountant, yeah. So or an accountant, yeah. right? Um
0: maybe an engineer. So here,
1: yeah. So when my parents saw that I was doodling all the time and that I was winning all these art competitions, they were like, No, 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 we gotta stop this right now. Like let's just like nip it in the bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, so, and so I uh, actually stopped doing any creative work until until I was in the US yeah and when I was in the US I got hurt pretty severely and I couldn't so that was my first back injury okay. and I couldn't I couldn't really um, walk
2: okay. or
1: do anything active okay. Um, sure. and in that time I just had a lot of spare time I just had a lot of time to think and yeah. just lay on my back sure and that's when I started to rediscover Photoshop. Okay. And that was when I was 18. So mm. there was a whole black hole between like my between ages of like 11 to 18, where I did no creative work at all. Mm. Never even thought about doing that as a as a way of yep. living. Yeah. And then a catastrophic event hits. Yeah. Completely immobilizing me.
0: And this was from sport or just from a uh, fall or something or an accident?
1: Oh, this was from a deadlift.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) So this is from like a sport-related injury. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. And Ah, and so that was when, that was way before I had any coaching. I was just in like the student gym by myself. And that's when I realized I probably should find some help with like, you know, fitness. So once I recovered, people were talking about CrossFit a ton. And then that's kind of how I got back in. So those two are really interweaved in a sense. When one came in, the other was on the way out, kind of.
0: Okay, gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. Right, so today's conversation, the, top, the topic of conversation is all about comfort zones, uh, living and stepping outside of comfort zones, living outside the comfort zones. So would you say that you're... Um, like, would you say like right now, I'm assuming you're still living outside your comfort zone, or have you found a bit of a new norm?
1: Oh, that's a really good question.
0: Um... And even to go a step back, like, would you say you're, con- like, cause it sounds like you've been in Malaysia, you've been in uh, Singapore, you've been in the States, back to Southeast Asia, and now again, back to the States. Cause, mm-hmm. cause in my mind, you, you're now outside your comfort zone, but, but I think, and I think like this whole comfort zone thing started way back, you know, years ago. Or would you say that yeah. you're now outside your comfort zone? A Bit of a subjective It's really there.
1: interesting. Yeah, I I love that you brought that up mm. because, um, what I've had to understand, I had to redefine that concept of comfort a couple of times, yeah. ever since I've been out here. To be honest, um, I left home about, well, left Singapore a year ago, mm. almost exactly. Okay, um, and up till that point, I was pretty comfortable even though the circumstances may look uncomfortable
2: yeah
1: a a lot of the things that I've been doing at that point of time I was coaching CrossFit I was teaching personal training and I as much as there were things that I still didn't know Mm -hmm. I was very much in my own skin I I understood where I where I stood with people and I was mostly the authority figure in the room Mm -hmm. like people would be looking to me to know what to do next and then I gave that all up a year ago to become completely new and in jujitsu terms like a white belt all over again mm. so for the first time ever I had to learn how to be my own boss mm. I had to manage my own finances and my, my, like secure clients by myself mm. in freelancing through creative work
2: sure.
1: on top of being completely new at the skill of being a video like storyteller yeah. yeah, which was the main way I was making money yeah. Um, yeah. and then on top of that I was also in a culturally different environment, sure. uh, without really people who knew me from my past. Yeah, and so there were a lot of different layers to that. Um, yeah, and and I think discomfort today, when your your question was, "Are you are you still living in discomfort, or have you found a new norm?" I think I found different ways to become uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> Super profound. And and I think. Yeah.
1: And I think I've found a, a new hunger for just staying uncomfortable. Sure. There's a difference between being in pain and being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think you and I know that because yeah. of our CrossFit background.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but it's not sort of it's not a tipping point like most people think. I think most people think that you're uncomfortable until a certain point and then you tip over to being in pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's completely different. I think being un- uncomfortable is a healthy place of growth. Mm. Being in pain is subjecting yourself in a mental capacity that you don't want to be there anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Because nobody ever volunteers for pain. Right. But people volunteer for discomfort all the time. Sure. Like think of people who volunteer to serve in the army. Yeah. They know they're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Think about any kind of physical fitness or practice. Mm. That's discomfort. Think about anyone who's putting out their artwork for the first time. Mm. That's super uncomfortable. Yeah. Think about any guy who's asking a girl out for a date. That's super uncomfortable, sure.
0: yeah, and the flow like on
1: all those places. Mm. No, I sorry, was I was
0: just say gonna say, say you sorry, I was gonna say the flow on to that uh, to your point, uh, Mel, is this mm-hmm. idea of growth, right? That mm-hmm. and we, we hear it all the time, you know, your place of growth comes outside your comfort zone or something along those lines, right? This idea that be mm-hmm. it professional, be it relational, be it uh, spiritual growth, be it uh, physical growth, whatever it may be, if we're constantly living in this state of like a plateau. Versus yeah. trying new things, um, stepping away from what our body is used to, what our mindset is used to, what our, our behavioral patterns are used to. That's where mm-hmm. um, this idea of growth comes from, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, and I, I, I can think back to my own life because I'm also um, uh, in this state of living outside of my comfort zone. Because I think similar to you, we're on not too dissimilar parallel tracks in that I grew up in Brunei and then I moved Mm -hmm. overseas to Australia from 2000 to 2011 and then moved back to Brunei Mm -hmm. again uh, because of family issues. And then after six years, I moved back to Australia again. Um, So we've been back now for roughly uh, nearly three years. And when you're saying things like having to restart, uh, reestablish yourself, Whereas once mm. upon a time everyone knew you, they looked up to you. Whereas versus now, it's in a different, it's a in a different cultural place, um, different pro- professional setting. All those different things. So all those things resonate with me. So, but right. again, I, I I feel like uh, because every day is is uncomfortable. Every day mm-hmm. I I am growing. I'm trying new things. I'm trying to reestablish myself. I'm making new connections and all these kinds of things. Yes. So when mm-hmm. you, when you were talking about you know, discomfort that just, you mm-hmm. know, jolted in my mind, this idea of growth. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind yeah. of mid- midstream there, but yeah, no, it's continue. okay.
1: Yeah. I was just, I, I think you're on the mark there. Mm. Um, there are things that I think work once comfortable it, is now uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like for example, for me personally, there's a very, Interesting moment because I what I do for a living is listen to people, uh, and what I mean by that is I listen to my clients. Like I, I need to understand what they need and what how they see the world yeah. before I can project what they think what I think they need.
2: Yeah,
1: I listen to people I interview when I tell their stories because it's most important to represent them well. Mm. My artistic my artistic license is the last thing that should go on the the video. Right. Right. And so I listen. A ton and one of the moments that stand out for me in in listening to so many different narratives is something that a friend of mine can uh, a friend of mine out here who said um, what's uncomfortable to you might look different for me
2: mm.
1: so it's not to say um it's not to say the guy who has the the muscle-up is better than the guy who only has the pull-up mm. do you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. maybe the guy can you know, back squat 500 pounds in the gym and like super ripped, whatever. But put him in a social setting where he can't sure. take his clothes off. Yeah. He can't speak to a single person. Right. He has absolutely no social skills. Yeah. And that is discomfort for him. Right. And that is where he's going to have the most margin for growth.
0: Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Versus the person who's like the life of the party, or whatever. But once you put him in a setting where it's um, physically challenging. Mm. Or even like requires him to be somewhat um, competitive with another person, mm. they immediately shrink back sure. and like either makes a joke out of themselves so that they can get out of the situation, sure. right? To avoid that discomfort. Yeah. So we all do different things yeah. to avoid discomfort. Mm, mm. Uh, and it just looks different. Mm.
0: Maybe talk a little bit about some of the big walls or barriers or obstacles that you've hit so far or are hitting. Uh, yeah, any Anything come to mm. mind in that space, of walls and barriers?
1: Uh, I mean, where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, in terms of, you know, because you're now in the States, uh, it's been about a year. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of touched on a few things like how you've had to reestablish yourself uh, from from mm-hmm. zero, or did you have like a, a, a little bit of a base already, or did you have to, you know... I had some
1: friends out here, mm-hmm. um, from, so I did a stint out here in, it was interesting that you asked me like that question because when I think back, I realize that I've never really started over fresh mm. because even coming to LA, I'd spend, I spent a, a, a month out here last year. Okay. And that was sort of the catalyst to creating um, the Deuce Diaries and kind of catapulted me onto this journey of making videos. Mm. And storytelling through short form um, content. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I decided that this was where I was going to move to, mm. it wasn't it wasn't completely blank.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So would you say let I me mean, let me be a bit a bit more uh, focused with my question. When it comes to your your journey your journey as a visual storyteller, <laughs> um, have you hit any walls? Like, are you finding that mm. um, your work speaks for itself? That um, people still <laughs> don't recognize you as a legit, you know, in, in inverted commas, uh, yeah. storyteller, or yeah, maybe talk a bit more about where you are now in, in terms of things that you're currently trying to break through or have, have, do you mm-hmm. feel you've already established yourself well enough?
1: I, I have a very sketchy pulse on what people think about me, mostly because I, I spend a lot of time in my own brain, I think. Sure. Um, I'm fairly introverted. I don't really, I don't, I choose to spend my time very wisely. Um, and so social settings are not really my jam, Mm. which means I don't know what people are talking about me uh, in terms of what I do. Um, but I will say that the, the journey has been interesting.
2: Um,
1: and my, my challenges are fairly unique. So mm. there's the surface level challenge, mm. right? Up to up till about two months ago, I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in America. Mm. Um, the visa situation in America right now is tough. Mm. I don't know much about it. I don't want to get political. Mm. Um, but all I will say is that um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to stay. Sure. And it was pretty certain that I wasn't going to be able to do that, mm-hmm. despite um, having someone to sponsor me and having proven that I have the credentials to stay and no like prior history that was negative. Um, So there's that obvious struggle of like, okay, well, how do I navigate the new land and the legislature around that? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other part is, how can I still enjoy being here while I am here? Sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Because I think that's sort of a more universal problem. Can you still find joy in the now, Mm. in what you are doing, Mm. in what you do have hands in? instead of waiting for that one day when you've made it Mm. to enjoy it Mm. because my my guess is if you're waiting for that one day to come so that you can finally enjoy what you're doing sure then you won't recognize it when it does come Mm.
2: Mm.
1: because your eyes will still be fixated on the on the future
0: Mm. and i might i might might tag on to that point now this idea that Mm. uh, it's one thing to you know, be kind of wild-eyed and what was the saying? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and kind of chase Mm -hmm. after our passions, uh, our our little passion projects or hobbies uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: versus doing something and saying, look, we're all grown-ups here and we got to find a way to make this work, i.e. how do we Mm -hmm. uh, make money and monetize our passions, right? Versus... Let's just go from discomfort to discomfort to discomfort. Just yeah, for the for the sake of growth yeah. versus being grown up and really pragmatic about it. Because that's something that I've had to learn uh, the hard way a few times now. Because I've had a few failed startups where you know, I want to launch a new um, the competitor <laughs> to Nine Gag. You know those kinds of little <laughs> ideas. Where al- along the way I've had this, all these little different projects that I've started and have you know yeah. have gone our belly up. Um, versus what I'm doing now where I'm kind of merging what I enjoy doing, which is public speaking, teaching, educating, Mm. and making a living, uh, making a good living out of that as well. So I think, again, to your point about hitting walls, for the listeners and the viewers, it's really important that we we view this phase, this journey of growth through that grown-up lens as well, right? Because it's wanting to be... Uh, super artsy and subjective. If you've got lots of money behind you, versus if you have to make a living for yourself, let's be grown up about mm. it. Mm. Yeah,
1: mm. and to be honest with you, the people who hurt in that process—if you don't embrace the side that uh, let's be let's be really candid—like it's the money side of it, right? Yeah. Like being a creative is super fun yeah. until you have to talk about who's paying for it. Exactly, yeah. and it's usually mom and dad. Yeah, right. Yeah. One of the hardest phone calls I've had to make while I was out here is to call home and tell my dad that I need money.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's almost as if I was feeding into their fears of me being a starving artist. Sure. Yeah. And it took a lot of humility mm. um, to realize that it's not, it's not wrong to ask for help,
2: mm.
1: but you need to know what you're doing with that help that's being accountable that's being a good steward of the stuff that you've been given versus squandering it away and asking for handouts Mm. um and the second thing is i think there's a level of courage that is required to really go into like the stuff that you aren't afraid of because nine out of ten creatives that i talk to will say things like i wish my skill was better i wish i had more contacts i wish I could work with cooler clients, mm. right? Um, and the thing is, I think a lot. what a lot of people are not addressing, or at least in the people that, in the sphere that I've been running into, mm. is nobody wants to talk about how to be a, a better business person. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because it's not somehow a dirty word. Yeah. But how unfair is it to mom and dad? Yeah,
0: exactly. Right?
1: Um, and, and so I've had to learn the hard way to have all these conversations of like it's okay to ask for money mm. right and it's, you if you're going to ask for what you want you've got to be ready for someone to say to ask for what they want too, mm.
2: yeah
1: right and mm. and not to be too artistic about it and yeah. say oh i won't compromise my moral behavior like this has nothing to do with your, your artistic <laughs> sense, right? Like we're not yeah. insulting that, yeah. right? The fact that they're already having this discussion with you means they're a fan. Yeah. And I think that's important to remember as mm. like anybody who works in the creative field or who feels like their morals might be compromised because they take money. Mm. I just don't think that's true.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Mm. I think there can be a very healthy symbiotic relationship between an artist and the buyer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and again, this this downflow into that whole idea of value. And perceived value, mm-hmm. and how do we actually not just make what we want, but create something that mm-hmm. the customer wants as well, right?
1: That's what bringing value through art is.
2: Yeah. Right. Mm.
1: If it's just pretty and it sits there, then how many people really in the world could benefit from that?
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Like, and why are you making it if? Okay, it's great if it makes your soul happy, but can it do more than that? Mm. Are you capable of more? Yeah. Right. Mm.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, and I was going to say as a quick side note, because again, to use a CrossFit example, it's kind of like if you're like a really good coach, and if you have that mm-hmm. internal um, compass that I just want to help my members, my gym members, my box members mm-hmm. lift better, train better, be better athletes. But but still, that that same question of look, it's one thing to be, want to be a good teacher, but I have to know how to be a um, keep this gym open as well, like i.e. how do I make money, um, again to use inverted commas, <clears throat> of these members while giving them value. So it's one of these, kind of like, mm-hmm. um, for, for people who, who haven't grown up in business type environments, that it's, it's often hard to put the, the two together, like teaching, giving value, and mm-hmm. charging someone for that value. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your the highlights from your journey so far. Because I know from just scrolling through your your Instagram, um, you mentioned before mm. the Deuce Diaries. Uh, you've had some time mm. working alongside Carl Paoli as well, who, for those of us in this um, fitness world, you'd recognize the name because he's kind of seen it as this gymnastics CrossFit expert, this guru of how do we perform better, how do we... Um, um, use our bodies in a more f- effective way come competition time so, yeah, so maybe talk about uh, some of the highlights yeah. of your journey so far
1: yeah um, I've honestly I think I got really lucky mm. because when I decided to uh, uproot from Singapore and like do this crazy trip yeah. I didn't really didn't really know where I would land yeah. but what I did was I sent out a bunch of emails to people that I looked up to sure. um, and in that list was Carl Carl Poly, um, um and the StrongFit people,
2: mm.
1: who now are based in Utrecht uh, in the Netherlands. I also wrote to the Para athlete crew, who's who are based in Texas, yeah. and I kept in touch with people from Deuce who are based here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so, um, so to my surprise, all of them said yes, they would love for me to come out and do something with them. Sure. And obviously, I had no, I had nothing to show them. Uh, I had no body of work I was so completely new so Mm -hmm. I was just asking for an an opportunity to gain some experience and they all welcomed me with open arms and I would have to say that one of the biggest highlights for me was coming to the end of that that journey Um, and it's weird because like, we're talking about comfort zones and we're talking about highlights and you would think that both of those things would coexist like you're surely you must be happiest when you are most comfortable Mm -hmm. and it was actually the exact opposite like I was without the level of discomfort that I was in Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had that experience of joy and happiness Yeah. yeah and um I remember coming to the end of my trip and it was December and it was coming close to Christmas and I didn't really have a place to stay beyond the month yeah and I was starting to struggle because I didn't have a lot of money left. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, and at that point, I wasn't asking to to be paid anywhere. Mm. And it was very quickly dawning on me that without making a change, I would have to be one of the homeless people in Venice. Wow. And if you've ever been in Venice, California, you know that that's a normal thing. Mm. Like that just happens. You will walk walk down Lincoln Boulevard and you'll see at least five of them in wow. the first three minutes yeah um, and I didn't I didn't want that reality to, to be true because sure. number one that's not what I came out here to do yeah. and
2: number
0: two I lost you for about oh, 15 shoot, seconds there,
1: okay well I just said I, that wasn't a reality that I was hoping for myself okay. and so I had to, again, like I said, humble myself and ask for help. Okay. And I think because because of how often I stay in my own head, I have these scripted ideas of how much people are willing to help me. Sure. And... There are always lies. <laughs> for some reason, I've convinced myself that no one wants to help me. You have to do, do this by yourself um, uh, or they're... else you're weak or you're like, you know, a burden to people.
0: Yeah, it's a bit, but... of, a, it's a bit of an Asian mindset, I feel. Like, there's this thing Is about it? asking for help, right? Whereas I feel when I'm dealing with my, my, um, my local counterparts here in, in Australia, Everyone's very mm-hmm. happy to just to ask for help and um, yeah. there's no stigma attached to like, oh, oh, so-and-so asked for help. There's no, none of that. Right? Mm.
1: Right. I I don't know. It was just, it was a big, to me, it took a lot of courage to say, hey, I don't have a place to stay. Sure. Can you help me? <clears throat> yeah. And And I was one degree removed from being homeless. That was basically it. Wow. And if like my friends all said no, I was just like, okay, I, I can't even afford a ticket home. So... Wow. You know, um, and so I eventually approached a friend. My friend said yes almost immediately. Sure. And as I was moving all my stuff into his house, I just remember thinking to myself, like, if I had any other option, I would not feel the level of gratitude that I have mm. for this person right now. Yeah. And so in a very weird way, this is a really big gift.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And it, it was, to to this day, still one of, like, my favorite memories of, like, finally moving all my stuff into one place and, like, just laying on the bed sure. and thinking, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is going to be okay. Yeah. And yeah, I stayed I like, for as long as... Yeah, I, yeah.
0: I like that you, you haven't kind of pinned uh, an achievement as a highlight, but rather you've pinned <laughs> more this process of learning and asking for help and... Um, um, you know, finding out that actually, yeah, I I do have people backing me in this journey as your highlights. I I, I, I like that, Mel.
1: Oh, well, honestly, like without the people who are actually involved in keeping me alive, not just my clients, but also like friends, um, I honestly don't, don't know if this would at all be possible. So it would be silly for me to not think of them as highlights.
0: We had a question before um, from Janine, she was asking Mm. the question of how do you keep moving forward um, through Mm. discomfort? Again, a bit of a broad question, but how would you respond to that? How how do you keep moving forward through discomfort?
1: Um, I think you first you move forward without the expectation of not falling again. Because I think a lot of people think that when you move forward, you're not supposed to make the same mistake again.
2: Mm.
1: And truth be told, you will. Yeah. <laughs> it might just look different the sure. next time. Um, but I, I have this really interesting saying that I haven't heard at many other places, which is to fail upwards. Mm. If you're going to yeah. fail, you make, make sure you get something out of it yeah. Um, yeah. to like at least learn something in the process.
2: Mm.
1: So yeah. have you ever heard of the concept of novelty search?
0: No. Novelty. Okay, search.
1: so, yeah, can I go off on a little no, short yeah, tangent here? Okay, so when when the scientists were trying to create robots that walked, they tried to program robots in a way that mimicked humans walking, but they realized that very very quickly that is impossible because of the complexity of the hips. Sure. So instead of just programming the robots to go one foot forward followed by another because every time they did that, they just face content and ate shit. Mm. Um, they, uh, they reprogrammed the robot to conduct what is called a novelty search, which is that every time it did, it did the experiment, it has to do something different. The variable has to be different. Okay. And so with that, they finally created a robot that learned how to walk Sure. because Something that is so human, something that's so innately, because if you think about it, no other animal, like not, I don't want to, I might have to be fact-checked on this one, but like very few <laughs> other animals on this planet are bipedal.
0: I'll mark I'll for right? it in the podcast, remove this portion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, but the concept of novelty search is that every single time you do something, you have to change a variable Sure, gotcha. in order to arrive at a different result. And so even if you have gotten the result that you want it, just in case that was by fluke, yes. you still do something different every sure. time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, so I like that. In, in my opinion, instead of thinking about life as a linear progression towards something and that you course correct to go back to norm, mm. I think of it as novelty search. We're on this earth to find different ways to express ourselves and yeah. to be different things. Mm. And we're constantly in process of transformation instead of, a, a single trajectory towards something that was predetermined. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And
0: another question, uh, Mel, was around... And again, this is um, a very yeah. classic question, but what do you know mm. now that you wish you knew sooner?
2: <laughs>
0: and relating this to, <laughs> this, relating this oh, to comfort zones and discomfort, what do you know now that you wish you knew sooner? Oh. <laughs> um. Maybe I'll go first while you kind of crystallize yeah. your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, go I'll, for I'll it. Share a few Please. things around um, where I am in my journey. So for work, I I kind of speak for a living, right? So I I, I teach mm. in university. I do a lot of uh, workshops with corporate clients, with government clients around things like design thinking, strategy, mm-hmm. communications, and social media. And I, I find. Like again, I touched on it before, but this idea that if you want to follow your, your passions, you have to learn how to be a good business person. Mm. And I, I wish it dawned upon me sooner in my yeah. in my career. Like this idea that yeah, sure, it's one thing to be passionate, but you have to be pragmatic as well. So that's one thing I wish I, yeah. I, I knew sooner. The other thing, um, to tie this back to comfort and discomfort is <laughs> Again, this is this will sound rather cliché, but
2: mm-hmm. just
0: to not care about what people think about what about who you are and what you do, and this is a really hard one because all of us instinctively mm. and by nature we want to uh, please our audience, yeah. please our family. Um, but you know, in this uh, journey of growth, right, there's going to be so many moments that I found where. Um, there, you know, out of say a hundred, uh, if, if we're talking about hundred steps, one might be a highlight, but there will be ninety-nine lowlights, mm-hmm. and just to be okay with those ninety-nine moments of lowlights, right? That, uh, yeah, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, you know, he's over there, he's trying to do new things, he hasn't quite made it yet, versus yeah, kind of, um, tuning those voices out, be it in your head, be it. Um, actual yeah. voice, voices but I've also found another, another thing that I, I know now that I wish I knew back then was this idea that actually um, everyone wants you to succeed versus yeah. people wanting you to fail or thinking so you're good. failing so it's, it's a real it's a mm-hmm. subtle thing but I, I found that as I'm on this journey of, of growth and entrepreneurship um, people want you to succeed versus people mm-hmm. judging you thinking that you're not making it yeah, you know, so, so those are yeah. some things that I, I I think about when I think about what what do I know now that I wish I knew back then.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm. I can resonate a lot with that, especially the the whole like people wanting you to succeed yeah. part because that has been one of the biggest discoveries for me that collaboration is art. Like it is part of mm. the nature of art because you can't be an artist without your ingredients and someone has to had to make the paint. Sure. Someone had to create Photoshop. So like all of this is still a grand collaboration yeah. at the end of the day yeah. even if you don't acknowledge it. Yeah. Um but I think to answer that question more succinctly for me it would be that it's okay to say no. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: It doesn't it doesn't make you less valuable.
0: Yeah. I like that.
1: It doesn't make you less loved. Yeah. And actually, it's very healthy for you to acknowledge that some things are just not for you. Mm. Um, and for me, I had to learn that the hard way, just because drawing boundaries have never been my strong suit. I've always kind of depended on, or, to find belonging, yeah, and to find just value and worth. Mm. And and so learning how to say no and not have it eat at my soul at the sure. middle of the night, saying, "Oh no." I'll never get hired ever again, right? Um, is is ter- It was terrifying, yeah. but it was a necessary step because I think at the end of the day, you're doing that person justice and you're freeing them up to go and find yeah. someone who can actually represent them well. Yeah. And it's having enough security in yourself to know, mm. hey, there are some ways that are not meant for me. Mm. That's okay. Mm. I'm just gonna wait. Mm. I'm just gonna keep looking at the sunset while it happens.
0: And there's a lot of power yeah. as well when we give someone a really clear answer. Yes or oh, no yeah. versus. Let me get back to you and you know tiptoe mm. around this idea that I don't want hurt their feelings, therefore I won't say no, but I won't say yes, and which kind of yeah. um, jams up their um, their forward trajectory as well. Versus mm-hmm. no, no or yes, yes, yeah. So there's a lot of power. In, so why know, do you think
1: people? Answer. Why do you think people struggle with that?
0: Of of, of saying no or saying yes or not giving an or answer.
1: having. Of, yeah, of, of deciding or just because I think we see this in the Netflix generation, too, because we spend 30 to 40 minutes looking for an episode to watch. And then by the time we're done searching, we don't have time to finish the episode. Sure. Yeah. Like no one wants to commit anymore. No one wants to say yes or no.
2: Mm.
1: No one wants to RSVP. We all just kind of want to sit on the fan- fence and mm. see what we feel like doing at the mm. end of the day. Mm. Uh, so what? why do you think that is?
0: You know, I. I... This is a wider topic because um, one of the things I teach around is culture uh, and cultural mm-hmm. intelligence, right? Um, so, so there's uh, there there are two big theories, uh, you know, proven theories, um, classic frameworks of viewing culture around what is known as high context and low context cultures. So, low context cultures, uh, generally speaking, are Western type cultures, America, the UK, mm-hmm. you know, Europe. Um, Australia, versus high-context cultures, a lot of Asian-type countries. So in low-context mm-hmm. cultures, it's a lot more transactional. Um, mm. my, my yes means yes, my no means no, because it's mm-hmm. when we're discussing um, something, it's between you and me, versus in a high-context culture, it's not mm. just you and me, but it's our the village around us as well, the suburbs, our family. Mm. You know, our grandma might have been buddies uh, uh, with uh, with your grandpa back in the day. Therefore, I don't give you a no because we were family friends from back then. So I think it's it's a big topic, right? And I think that's part of this DNA, this mindset that we that we've uh, been born into. Around, uh, make sure you don't tell someone no straight away because you don't hurt their feelings, you don't embarrass them. So I I think that's part of it. But also uh, to your to your point around. Um, this fear of losing out on future opportunities, right? Or if I say no to mm-hmm. this client, he or she may not ask me again. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big topic, but yeah, those are some thoughts around why I think people have trouble saying no.
1: Yeah, mm. that's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, that cu- cultural aspect of mm-hmm. it, I've never considered. Mm-hmm.
0: I've got a few more questions before we wrap up. Um, and this is a big one, Mel.
2: <laughs> And -hmm.
0: try and maybe be more uh, brief with with your answer, which will be hard. But why do you do what you do? It's a big why question.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Why do I do what I do? Uh, The very honest answer to that is that I was... I think I came to realize when I was about 22 that what I want to do with my life is to help people be seen and heard. And what that means is to give voice to people who are voiceless. And that can be literal, like people who literally cannot speak for themselves or people who have not had the spotlight before because they don't look a certain way or they don't um, have the right context or their story just isn't appealing enough for mainstream media. And that's why I favor short form content. That's why I love social media I know it's done a lot of harm for like cyberbullying and all these other things, mm. but I do think that there is a lot of power in it. Yeah. The fact that it can cyber you can cyberbully means you can also do a lot of good change with that too. Yeah. So um, when I was about 22, that those words were spoken over me by a really good friend that that is my gift mm. to help people feel seen and heard, um, whether that's through what I make with my hands, or by sitting with someone and actually listening to their mm-hmm. story. I think that's what I was meant to do with my life. So that's, great. that's why I do what I do. That's
2: great.
0: Because I wasn't sure how you, you were going to answer that question. So I was, I, was, I was kind of prepared to ask you a few more whys. Because if you were saying, oh, can yeah. I just enjoy you know, the, the, the art form of creating, I was going to ask another why. Mm-hmm. But you kind of cut straight to the essence, which I'm, um, well done, Mel. <laughs> I wasn't expecting such a well, honestly, such a, such a good answer.
1: Honestly, it's something that I have had to wrestle with a lot yeah. because when you do encounter so many um hurdles, so yeah. so many roadblocks, you keep at, you have to almost ask yourself, yeah. is this worth it? Is this why am I even doing this? Yeah. I could go back to a Cushy pay job and just teach people how to squat for a living. Like that's always in the bank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, we'll never run out of fitness instructors in this world. Mm. I'm just I'm convinced. Mm. But I just I feel very compelled that this was what i was put on earth for and and yeah that's Mm. how i'm how that's expressing itself right now
0: Mm. my last question mel is to complete this sentence in three years i will dot 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 how would you complete that sentence
1: (laughs) (laughs) i am not a very forward-thinking person so (laughs) three years seems like a very big stretch
2: okay
1: um In three years I would love to continue doing what I do Um, and with that I mean I would still be learning Mm -hmm. on a daily basis um, that I would still be failing on a daily basis Sure. (laughs) Um, and hopefully I'll be doing it with a lot of friends Mm -hmm. with a lot of people who love me who I know will go to great lengths to keep me safe and happy and just keep me challenged too and that's that would be a great marker of success for me mm-hmm. great yeah
2: well
0: mel um thank you so much for your time
1: yeah thank you for having me this was really fun
0: yeah how can people stay in touch or follow your journey mel
1: um right now i am on instagram right just you can send me a friend request and i can just approve that mm-hmm. once i'm in a very interesting situation now where i work for a church so okay. i'm a little bit more cautious about um just accepting friend requests that i from people i don't know sure. <laughs> um but i also have a public account where i share most of my photos and that's at melanie dot no melanie lim dot jpeg jpeg okay yeah great so, so you guys can find that there
0: lim dot jpeg
1: Mm-hmm. Very good for photos and videos.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, Mel, um, I'll leave. I'll leave you to it. It's probably nine nine p.m. where you are. mm mm-hmm. Thanks for your time and yeah, let's stay in touch. Yeah, I, I wish you absolutely wish you all the very best. And it's it's inspiring, even though, like I said at the start, we we don't really know each other. But I think our many of us are on this journey where we're we're moving forwards somewhere right and this sense that we're mm. all uh, facing our own discomfort somehow and a lot of what you've shared mm-hmm. has been really helpful a lot of practical insights a lot of um, uh, mindset insights as well which i really enjoy so thank you for your time thank you darwin see right. you see ya there you go well everyone thank you so much for tuning in but a big big special thank you to melanie lim Mel, thank you for sharing your story, thank you for sharing the highs and lows from your journey so far, for insights, for lessons, for just practical things that for those of us who are going through our own comfort zone pains, that we can learn and also apply into our own journeys. Before you go, please rate, subscribe and review this podcast, it's going to help me out in a big, big way. Also, as always, if you'd like to send me an email, send it to heydelwin at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram as well. It is at heydelwin. We will see you in the next podcast. But until then, take care. God bless. I wish you every success. And remember to always back yourself.